I'm Evan Knappen, and welcome to Gun Lawyer. I have a really good show planned today, folks. I can't wait to tell you some stories and some ideas that I have. One of the cases I'd like to discuss is a case involving unlawful search and seizure. And I think there's some very important lessons in this case. And this case ended up, we ended up winning it on an appeal to the appellate division in New Jersey. And therefore, the case is available online where you can read it. Now, it is known as an unpublished decision. And what that means in New Jersey is the case is, is, is a, quote, published decision. It means it's binding uh, case law and, and such. But an unpublished opinion is still out there as, quote, published, but not in the legal New Jersey case law meaning. It means it is an unpublished decision that is still searchable and can be found, but it's not binding case law on other courts. It's something that can be informative and other and courts can read it and glean from it uh, things that were opined in it, but it's, it's not binding on the court, but it's still out there as a written decision and a record of the decision in the case. So as a matter of public record, the case is uh, State of New Jersey versus William Sessler. And um, we represented uh, Mr. Sessler on this case, and I thought it's a very interesting fact pattern to the case, and you may find it uh, just as fascinating as, as we did. Because in, in this case, um, Mr. Uh, Sessler had a fellow show up from a cleanup service and uh, he claimed that, I guess, Sessler owed him some money or there was a dispute. And uh, at a certain point, Rick's uh, cleanup goes over to uh, the Branchburg uh, PD, this is where it took place, and reported that my client, Mr. Sessler, uh, he claimed made a terroristic threat against him when he went there to there being my client's home to collect uh money that he felt he he was owed and what uh rick told the police was that uh, uh they the, that my client and he had had met at my client's home and uh according to rick when he ar arrived the uh, my client invited him in and then they sat down on the couch and my client began cursing at Rick, quote, using gross profanities and ethnic slurs derogatory to Hispanics. He said, I'm going to kill you, you expletive deleted, end quote. And that's from the case, from the case. While saying this, the defendant, my client, he removed a rifle from a black case but he uh, did not point it at Rick, and he didn't threaten him with the weapon. But still, Rick thought he was in danger, so he left the home, and he went to the PD and reported this. Well, after the police took his statement, a detective and four other officers 
from Brandsburg PD went to my client's home to investigate. And when they got there, they identified themselves as police and they told my client they wanted to speak with him. Now my client was only wearing underwear and socks and he opened the door, but after a brief exchange, he told the officers, go fuck yourselves, I'm not talking to you. And as a defendant, my client, as he attempted to close the door, two officers pushed it in and they subdued and they handcuffed my client. Well, it, one of the officers, they testified in court and they said they noticed what they appeared to be a butt of a rifle or shotgun and that was leaning against the door frame and, and, and they said it was visible from the porch there was a, a gun case that was matching the description given by good old Rick. And uh, the police officers, they, they testified that they feared for their safety based upon these uh, observations and what appeared to be a gun that was described and, and that the claim that he had earlier threatened the uh, Rick with. And these officers entered my client's home and they observed numerous guns, quote, long rifles and shotguns were laying all over the floor, unsecured, end quote. So my client got charged, and they charged him with um, uh, possession for unlawful purpose of firearm, terroristic threats, aggravated assault, resisting arrest, etc. However, we brought a motion to suppress, and the motion to suppress is that we believe the search and seizure of a client's firearms was unlawful, and that did not follow the mandates of the Fourth Amendment. And um, the court granted our appeal, our, uh, actually our court granted our motion, and the state appealed our win. And the appellate court affirmed our win. And... Why would that be? Because, well, first of all, we're talking about warrantless search, right, of a home. And warrantless searches of a home are presumptively un unreasonable. And that's under our case law. And therefore, they're not allowed unless they come under certain um, exemptions, you know. And uh, these exemptions themselves have been recognized by the Supreme Court. And, and there are two recognized exemptions uh, that arguably were claimed to be here. One was what's called exigent circumstances and the other plain view. But the court did not buy the state's argument on those exemptions. They found that under these facts, because the case, because my client never threatened the police and he had not acted in any way where he meant to harm the police, guess what? There was no exigent circumstances for that. And the funny thing about it is there also was no consent to a search. And I remember in this matter, it was pretty clear that he didn't consent to a search, especially when you tell them, the police, to get the fuck out. <laughs> and it's kind of clear about that, you know? 
So it really is an he really asserted his rights very plainly. And this is actually came to his advantage here, believe it or not. And as the trial judge concluded, said there's nothing, absolutely nothing in the testimony of the police to show that they were in immediate danger, direct or indirect, from Mr. Sessler. So they also found that the plain view exception was no good because the officer must be lawfully in the area in which he views the evidence. And they must not know in advance where the evidence located. And finally, it has to be associated with criminal activity. The police, you see here, were legally on his porch. However, the court found that there was no contraband in plain view because of the exemption under New Jersey law. Under NGS 2C396E, we are exempt to possess firearms in our home. So plain view of firearms in one's home is not evidence of a crime. It's exempted plainly, you see. So just because there's rifles and shotguns, quote, strewn everywhere, doesn't matter. You can have rifles and shotguns strewn everywhere. It's not illegal if it's your home because of the exemption that says you can possess firearms in your home. And that, of course, is further today with the Heller decision, right, the landmark Second Amendment case that found possession in your home of firearms is a constitutionally protected right. So here in this case, uh, the evidence was suppressed. None of it could be used against him. And the uh, the assertion of his rights in whatever fashion uh, proved to be correct. And you know, I remember my client's kind of a kind of a grumpy old guy. I liked him, but he's kind of a grumpy old guy that I guess was not going to get pushed around by anybody anymore, and he was going to stand on his rights. And uh, it proved out in effect because the search was illegal. So lessons to be learned from that. Sometimes, uh, you know, it's, it's funny how we're, we're trained to always be courteous, how we're trained to uh, believe that police are your friend and all this. But so many times, and I know police have a tough job, and, I, and I, we need the police because I don't want to have a society without police. We'd be in a terrible mess. But also important that our rights be respected. And unfortunately, our rights are not taught in school. Rights are not taught. You would think something as fundamental as knowing our rights would be a part of our education. But it, it isn't. It's almost like it's on purpose, isn't it? Kind of interesting. But uh, imagine a class that every high school student has to take where you understand your rights regarding search and seizure and how you can uh, have protection under the Fourth Amendment and how you assert your rights. Imagine a class that actually taught Fifth Amendment and your right not to self-incriminate and your Miranda rights actually taught to you, including your right to have an attorney and how important that right is and how you assert it 
and how it's important that you assert it. Imagine a class that actually taught our rights so that individuals would know their rights and be able to stand on them. Now, I love our entire Constitution, including our Second Amendment and the Fourth Amendment and the Fifth Amendment and the Sixth Amendment, all the amendments, all our rights. They're very important. Yet, the education of those rights doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. And yet, think of all the other things they do teach in school, uh, much of which is uh, nowhere near as important or as useful or a life lessons that you need to know, such as knowing your rights. When we come back, I'm going to talk to you about opportunities for pro-gun legislation in the Biden administration. How can this be? I'll explain. For over 30 years, attorney Evan Knappen has seen what rotten laws do to good people. That's why he's dedicated his life to fighting for the rights of America's gun owners. A fearsome courtroom litigator fighting for rights, justice, and freedom. An unrelenting gun rights spokesman tearing away at anti-gun propaganda to expose the truth. Author of six best-selling books on gun rights, including Knappen on Gun Law, a bright orange gun law Bible that sits atop the desk of virtually every lawyer, police chief, firearms dealer, and savvy gun owner. That's what made Evan Knappen America's gun lawyer. Gun laws are designed to make you a criminal. Don't become the innocent victim of a vicious anti-gun legal system. This is the guy you want on your side. Keep his name and number in your wallet and hope you never have to use it. But if you live, work, or travel with a firearm, the deck is already stacked against you. You can find him on the web at evannappen.com or follow the link on the Gun Lawyer resource page. Evan Knappen, America's Gun Lawyer. You're listening to Gun Lawyer with attorney Evan Knappen. Available wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I am. Hey, I really, really need you to help me out here. We, we have to help keep our fellow gun owners from becoming law-abiding criminals. And one of the ways we can help do that, if you could tell your friends and fellow gun owners and supporters of the Second Amendment, tell them to listen to Gun Lawyer Radio. Visit my website at gun.lawyer. I'd really love it if you would take a look at our inner circle. It's on our website at gun.lawyer. Sign up for the inner circle, and you're going to get the inside from me, Evan Knappen. I'll be giving you tips, tricks, insights, and fun. Sign up. It's free. Go to gun.lawyer and join our inner circle. The reason this is so important is this is what's going to let me communicate with you to touch base directly with you, to let you know what's going on, because I'm really, really concerned over what big tech is doing. Big tech doesn't care about our gun rights. They kind of don't like us, and they're trying to shut us down. You've probably seen the platforming of uh, various sites. You see the clampdown coming on social media. You see various uh, Internet attacks on 
our ability to communicate as being supporters of gun rights. And this is a way for us to help preempt and avoid any of those such problems. And uh, the inner circle is, is how to do it. So please sign up so we can stay in touch on this. It's free. We're going to have big issues coming up, you know, now with uh, the new administration. We're going to see right out of the box all kinds of executive orders, nasty things. You're going to know how to protect yourself, how to handle these new executive orders, what loopholes there might be. I'm going to fill you in on all that. You're going to want to know. So subscribe to Gun Lawyer. Please join the inner circle. Help get the word out. I'm depending on you to get the word out. So that's my special request. But look, it's in all our best interest here so we can keep the lines of communication open and you can get good advice about what to do as the threats mount. Well, one of the things I've been thinking about, because, yeah, I know, I I feel the way many of you do, because we had a great president that was standing up for Second Amendment. Matter of fact, one of the few presidents that would always talk about the Second Amendment, even affirmatively mention and his love and support of the Second Amendment, and I always uh, liked that. But, um, you know, I'm sure more pro things could have pro gun things could have been done, and uh, but there was obstacles to seeing that happen. And now with this new administration, you know the threats against our gun rights are pretty serious. But does that mean we can't get anything done? I don't believe it does. I believe other than just trying to fight bad stuff, there may be opportunity here. And I've been thinking of opportunities that are pro-gun opportunities that might exist under a Biden administration. You may say, how can that be? How can anything be pro-gun under that guy's administration? Well, I think part of this is a technique of of cross-trestling, they call it, where you grab an issue that the other side is concerned about, and you use that issue to help promote our issues. Because what I care about is our gun rights. And yet the other side has issues that they claim to care about, and it may be possible for us to get certain things through. Like, I'm sure you heard right now, you know, you heard the national carry bill has been pre-filed. Yeah, well, I can't, I, how's that going to pass? I mean, seriously, with are they, the national carry, look, I'd love it. I want it. It would be great. But do I really think it has a chance? I really don't. Um, but maybe they'll sneak it into some must-pass bill and maybe anything could happen, but... Boy, and same with Hearing Protection Act for suppressors. I mean, that's great. I'd love to see that pass, but do I really think we're going to see that? I think the odds are dramatically against it. But what if we tried to get some pro-gun things passed that maybe could actually get support from the other side? Let me give you a number of ideas and examples that I have. First, I was thinking about something very important, and that is the relief from disabilities on the Fed side. You know, if you have a felony conviction federal, you cannot get your rights back, even though the law is there to allow you to ask to get your rights back. The program has not been funded. It's not been funded since 1992, thanks to Chuck Schumer. 
But who is this hurting? Who is hurting under this? Well, when it comes to felons, you may have heard me discuss this before, when it comes to convicted felons, blacks are six times more likely to be a convicted felon than whites. There's an instinct. You want to talk about institutionalized racism? Well, there it is. And why should blacks at a ratio six to one lose their constitutional gun rights if there was some method to get them restored where they show they're, they're rehabilitated and good people and a production, uh, pr being productive in society and not a danger or a threat? Shouldn't they get their rights back? Yes. But there's no mechanism that allows it under the federal law. So here is something where you have efforts to try to promote interests in challenging racial issues, and here's something that directly impacts that. Why not try to get the Relief from Disabilities program running again and emphasize how much it will help minorities in doing that? And let me tell you about some other relief from disabilities. You know, if you have a mental health commitment, there is no federal relief from disabilities. Yeah, you can go to your state if your state has a mental health expungement. But we treat mental health like a crime. And if you have had a commitment and now you're fine and you're not a danger to yourself or others and it's a known thing that you're okay, why should you still lose your gun rights? How about a federal relief from disabilities as well that allows you to seek it for mental health purposes. Because right now, under the Nixon Improvement Act, you're limited to what you can do on the state side, where you have to get your state to have a mental health expungement. Why not a federal relief from disabilities for that as well? I mean, they claim to care about mental health. They claim that this is an issue, and why? It ends up discouraging people from getting help, because if they know they become a prohibited person, they don't want to get the help. There are plenty of people that avoid getting help that need it because they don't want to disqualify. And if you had a mechanism so that wasn't the case, if you're fine and, and, and safe and mentally okay, then it would better address the mental health issues that we're all concerned about. I'll tell you right now, I don't know how you feel about marijuana or not, and you've heard my shows about marijuana and how it affects gun rights. Well, you know, there's actually an opportunity here in the Biden administration to finally get marijuana off the federal list. Whether you ever want to use marijuana or not, you know, let's just face it. So many states have legalized it, and individual states can still decide whether they want to have it legal or not legal, no problem. But take it off the federal list, or at least remove it as a disqualifier for gun ownership. I mean, come on. Uh, why does... Uh, why is marijuana in any way uh, more dangerous than alcohol when it comes to firearms, okay? I'm not talking about any other issues. I'm just talking about the effect on a person with firearms. And we do not need that as a federal disqualifier, and it needs to be addressed. And here's something where an opportunity could present itself in the Biden administration to accomplish that. You hear a lot about a push for uh, firearms to be safely stored, and I believe in safe storage. I don't think it should be uh, mandated that we have to lock up our safety. I, I think that's wrong. But 
encouraging safe storage is logical and reasonable. And this is something that even the antis talk about. Oh, you want to mandate storage? You want to have safe storage? Well, look, if you really believe in safe storage, and I know I believe in safe storage, then how about incentives to help getting safe storage possible? For example, how about a tax deduction, federal tax deduction on purchases of gun safes? How about that? Encourage more gun safes, secure our guns from theft, secure our guns from parties that shouldn't be accessing our guns. How about this? Because, you know, the there's a push, especially left on health care. We see that. And there is a kind of a nefarious element in the health care where they want to ask about guns and whether you have guns. And they're trying to make guns into a health care issue. Well, if guns are going to be viewed in that manner, shouldn't our health insurance buy us gun safes? I mean, think about it. The health insurance pays for all kinds of different equipment. You want to get your diabetic testing supplies. There's various programs to get all kinds of health equipment. And it's the other side that wants to put it in this category. So if that's the case, how about uh, at least $1,000 paid by the health insurance toward your purchase of your gun safe? Something along those lines. Do we want to encourage it? Yeah, there's ways to do it. And if this is what the other side is looking to promote, then it's something maybe we could mutually agree on and we could actually get it through. Pro-gun ideas, pro-gun legislation. I mean, look, we're going to see a lot on immigration. You know, that's a big thing with Biden and DACA and the Dreamers and all. And they want to uh, push that. Well, what about gun rights for them? What about it? I mean, do you believe in gun rights for the person? Do you ask yourself now, are you a believer in the Second Amendment? Do you believe that it's a fundamental God-given right to have a gun? Then if these folks are given the ability legally to be here, then they legally should be able to have a gun as well. And remember, every gun owner gets a vested interest in our gun rights, in being able to protect themselves and their family. And if you really believe in that, then you don't want to let other feelings of prejudice or your dislike of immigration for whatever political reason you might have. But if you step back for a minute and say, hey, every individual has this right, then they have the rights too. And it floats all boats. So why not? Why not push the cross trestle on the Democrats to say, hey, give gun rights as well. Look, you see the push on voting rights, don't you? You see that. And why is it not, why are not gun rights pushed the same as voting rights, particularly for minorities and convicted felons, etc.? It's a right to have a gun. If you really believe in the right, then you want it promoted. And you have to break out of this mindset about only conservative, quote-unquote, Republican issues to allow the gun rights movement and enhancement of our gun rights to proceed. We have to come up with more of a pro-gun uh, ideas that can mesh and find support with the other side. It's another way of thinking. 
Look, the NRA is not the National Republican Association, okay? It's not just about that. If you are truly a believer, then you want to expand our gun rights, our ability to enjoy our Second Amendment rights, our ability to have and possess firearms, and you want to do this in smart ways, and we got to not just think in the traditional ways where we haven't succeeded. We haven't succeeded. How long have we tried to get national right to carry? How long? Well, let me give you a suggestion. How about a national right to carry for domestic violence victims and hate crime victims? The left claims to care tremendously about domestic violence victims and hate crime victims. Well, I think they should have a national right to carry. It's another step forward for getting a national right to carry. And this is how we have to start changing the way we think because we have to deal with reality of the political situation. And if we're just going to keep doing the same thing over and over again and only being on the defensive and only pushing what the traditional approach has been, how are we going to succeed? It's almost the definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over and getting the same result. And it's not a good one. So, folks, these are some ideas to think about. and Maybe we can make it happen. It's food for thought. This is Evan Knappen reminding you that gun laws don't protect honest citizens from criminals. They protect criminals from honest citizens. Gun Lawyer is a Counterthink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. Reach us by emailing evan at gun.lawyer. The information and opinions in this broadcast do not constitute legal advice. Consult a licensed attorney in your state.